the question that I got answered that I never knew I wanted answering was, um, what if Jack wasn't the silent protagonist, but was also as dumb as a sack of hammers? Okay. <laughs> Can I just uh, get this in very quickly? Well, excuse me, Atlas. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> just every time he asks, that's how he responds towards you kindly the whole time. Excuse me, Atlas. <laughs> Yeah, Dr. Sushong really wanted to piss Frank Fontaine off. (laughs) We created the perfect killing machine. I also made him an arsehole as a joke. (laughs) Um, Wait, that's the plot of Deadpool. (laughs) Yes, it is. It is, oddly enough. (laughs) He was already an arsehole. That's fair. Nick, do you want second or third? I think um, there's lots of quite funny bits in mine, so I reckon leave him laughing. Okay, I will go second. I'll... Why did I pronounce that like a southerner? <laughs> I did actually Join us. quite southern. Leave them laughing. Like, oh. Leave them laughing, dear boy. Oh, tell her. <laughs> let's go out with a bang. <laughs> Talking of banging, um, let's open with the pegging fic. <laughs> Oh, I'm. I feel like... like Mary Poppins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I feel like a class traitor now. So now you understand how I feel every day, waking up realizing I've lost all hull. Like I was never a hun. <laughs> I was never a hundred percent one of our people anyway. But yeah, I know you don't like gravy. You fucking weirdo. I've never liked gravy. Yeah. But now I eat loaves. Loaves. Loaves and talk about um. Oh, I can't remember. Coke. Mike called me out for something a while back, and I was like, oh, shit. Is it cold down there, or is it cowled? It's cold. Yeah. I'm a monster! <laughs> <laughs> Not fit to be anywhere! Uh, I'm ashamed, and you Cass. should feel ashamed. <laughs> I do not dare show my face in public anymore, because I'm well, you, southern you now. you don't, because you live in the middle of nowhere anyway. Yeah. Grace, that was mean. <laughs> Just, just, just facts, mate. <laughs> yeah, no, but nobody appreciates being called out like that, do they? <laughs> yeah. What the hell am I on this show for? <laughs> You're not wrong. To call us out on our bullshit. Of so, which there is many. So we promised our listeners that we would open with a barbershop quartet next time. Did we? I think. It's certainly something we discussed. Me and Nick definitely Ooh. talked about starting a barbershop quartet. Maybe it was just in my imagination. I was thinking, oh, hey, we should open with, you know. I mean, I forgot about that, but okay, fuck it, let's go. Welcome. If, if you want to. Oh, one. <laughs> that was a dirge, not barbershop. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, and there's only two of us because James wimped out. I, I was, <laughs> was going to try and stop you. I was like, okay, let's coordinate this. So, <laughs> and a one. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Oh, Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Welcome yep. to the shipping forecast, where there are no gods or kings, only us three. Yeah, and despite what Grace thinks, she is not a god. <laughs> I think there's an ant hill in my garden that will uh, say otherwise. <laughs> what have you been doing to your ant hill? <laughs> Ruling with an iron fist. Jesus. <laughs> an iron fist and a magnifying glass. No, there's no sun in the south yeah. at the moment. There's no 
The trial by fire has ended and the trial of rain has begun. Mm-hmm. We've got a watering can. Some stay dry and others feel the pain. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, welcome to the shipping forecast, everyone. We did not plan a good intro today. No, we didn't. Uh, joining me is Grace. Oh, sorry. I'm James, first of all. Joining me is Grace. <laughs> what the fuck was that? I, I forgot. I went straight to introducing you and I forgot that I also have a name that people need to know. Yeah, but you could have just, just been like, and I am James, right at the end. Well, <laughs> like, then I would have got stuck in a loop. I don't know. This is the thing, it matters where you are on the billing. We've yeah. discussed uh, this. I see, that's why. Okay. Yeah. As the one who does the editing, I am top billing. But Nick's going to be doing the editing today. Not today, no. Not today. In, in two weeks. But that ah. will come. Yeah, I'm handing off editing responsibilities soon. Because I need to learn to drive. Yes, you do. And I can't edit and drive at the same time. As you shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Don't text and drive, kids. But yes, I'm James. <laughs> Joining me is Grace. Hello. And Nick. Hi. And we're back in Bioshock today. Uh, we... Yeah, we had a bit of a week off. We did. Though our listeners won't notice this if I get this out on time. No, no, they won't. Um, yeah. But I have a little bit of banter that I feel. Oh, go ahead. We couldn't record last week because I was at the Nottingham Goose Fair on Saturday and then at a diesel gala on Sunday. But of course, I was meeting somebody in Nottingham, I was a bit late, so I decided to get my foot down, put my Eurobeat playlist on. Hey. Good choice. Thundering down the motorway and I get sort of halfway to Nottingham and then all of a sudden the Eurobeat stops and there's like this sort of smoochy number comes on and I'm thinking to myself, where have I heard this one before? Then it got to the chorus and it was back of my tape. Hey! <laughs> it belongs on every CD. It changed the tone a little bit, but mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Somebody in the middle of this Eurobeat playlist had just decided <laughs> to, to sling back of my tape on. Excellent. Who was that? Was that me or was that you? I don't know. It was whoever made the playlist. Didn't make the playlist. Okay. I found it on Spotify. Oh, is it yes. Spotify? Funnily thing. enough, my Eurobeat playlist does the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Was it perchance a slightly Christmassy version? By the sounds of things, it was the same version that was in the Yakuza games. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's actually three of those in the Yakuza games, but um, well, the one that's in Yakuza Zero. Okay, the the Kiryu. The Kiryu version, yeah. The the OG. Yeah, kind of. Depending that's who it. you ask. I also found a Eurobeat song about the Renault Twingo, and it made me really happy. Okay, I don't know anything about cars. Fair enough. Yeah, that's why I need to learn, and that's why you need to take over the editing. Yes. So, talking of soundtracks, I have banter from this weekend as well. Oh, okay. I made Grace a present uh, at the weekend. Made oh, her a no. new Made her a new CD. Mostly Eurobeat, a couple of boss fight music in there as well. And You're trying to get her a speeding ticket, aren't you? <laughs> oh, 100%. A little bit. But, <laughs> and, um, the full, and the fucking full moon was out while I was playing it as well. Yeah, like, oh the, my God. there's a lot of Bloodborne music on there, so lots of like horror violins. <laughs> I'm, I'm driving in the pitch black in the middle of fucking nowhere, and I was like, I've got to skip this one or I'm going to die on this road. It added a lot of tension to it, but a mashup came up on. Oh, which one? Grace didn't know it was a mashup. It was it's a Eurobeat cover of a song from Metal Gear Rising Revengeance called okay. the Stranger I Remain. Maybe I'll put a link in the show notes because it's quite a good song. Yeah. The Virgil boss music comes in from Devil May Cry 5, and it's like a surprise mashup. And Grace yelled at me saying that she hates mashups because they mess with her autism. And for a brief moment, I felt very guilty. 
and I was like, oh, sh I didn't realize this was like a spectrum thing. I apologize. She explained later that was a lie, and just she just doesn't like mashups on principle. <laughs> and, like for a moment, I was like, oh, I feel so guilty. But yeah, she was just playing that card. She fucking baited you, and you yeah. fell for it. Yeah, I, I was. I meant it as like a joke on my own fucking spectrum, but. He took it seriously, so... Well, you would! <laughs> and then you and then you just ran with it, don't lie. Yeah, of course I ran with it. <laughs> I love it when James is being thick. <laughs> it's not about being thick, it's just not realise... Most people wouldn't make a joke about things like that. But I have it! Yeah. <laughs> Look, it does give you a free pass, but that doesn't mean you have to use it. And a lot of people don't. Ah... <laughs> <sighs> Well, I know now. Yes. And For the it, record, I still like mashups. I've, okay, fair. I'll make you a new mashup-free CD. That's absolutely your fine. Loss. You are perfectly entitled to your own opinion, however wrong that opinion may be. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. Mm. Well, it's been fun, ladies and gentlemen. This is the last time I'm This has the been course. the shaming forecast, where uh, <laughs> I call out Grace for her tastes. Though, by the sounds of it, your tastes have improved in the past few days. Cause... Where'd you hear that bullshit? So what are you reading today, Grace? Silence. I can hear the contempt from here. What are you reading, Grace? That's an excellent question. Are you, are you genuinely contemptful or have you forgotten <laughs> the fake you submitted? <laughs> no, I'm trying to get the cat out of the room. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> Multitasking. She's, some, she's lurking somewhere, ready to sneeze all over the audio equipment. So, oh. for the listeners' benefit, Grace's cat has um has a cold. She is sneezing everywhere, covering Grace and no, snot. Get out! Out! For fuck's sake! Oh, I, sent her out. I have another banter story since we last recorded. Oh, it involves, okay. It involves Grace's cat, who I was cat sitting a couple of weeks ago, and um, now I'm the favourite. <laughs> Yeah, because you kept feeding her shit. I kept, I, I went to the fish and chip shop, and I split my haddock with her, and now I'm the best. Oh, that's really nice of you. Yeah, I'm cool Uncle James, and when Grace came home, she still preferred me. <laughs> I raised that cat. <laughs> She's gonna have to fly the nest eventually. No! <laughs> <laughs> you moron, no! <laughs> <laughs> hell. Uh, yeah, leave I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm gonna keep bribing her. This is hilarious. <laughs> like, she didn't even look at me, Nick, when I came back. Yeah, Grace died like, inside. I don't know who that is. <laughs> James, feed me more fucking cold and haddock and all that. Oh <laughs> no! And then when he left, she was looking around, going, "Grace, where's the nice man gone?" And it's just like, oh, God's sake. <laughs> What's this in my bowl? I was like, it's your fucking cat food, now eat it. God's sake. I was like, well, I said, don't spoil the cat. You spoiled the cat. <laughs> I don't think you told me not to spoil her. I did as you were sending me live footage of you spoiling the cat. <laughs> well, okay, so you told me afterwards. <laughs> it was too late then. <laughs> yeah. I can't unspoil her. <laughs> to be fair, I'm, I'm used to my mum's cats. Who, no matter how much fish I give her, still she's one of those cats that just doesn't like men. No matter how much fish I give, I'm not used to being in the good books. So okay. 
I overcompensated when I fed Pepper. You were making the most of it. Exactly. Yeah. You kiss ass. You just crawled <laughs> up my cat's ass as hard and fast as you could. That's a horrifying mental image. <laughs> yes, it is. Grace, what have you been reading? Speaking I've of horrifying reading... mental images. No, no, it's I've I've looked I've into been this book. Reading fic. Supersymmetry by Orphan Account. This is not a horrifying image. Because this is a Bioshock episode, may I remind everyone. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact we have talked nothing about Bioshock this entire opening. We're getting there. I, I did a quote. Yeah. You did do a quote, to be fair. I've run yeah. out of Andrew Ryan impressions. And I can't really do a Comstock one. No, to be fair. I could open with an Atlas one. No. Oh, hello, my name's Atlas. Stop. <laughs> it's getting are... worse. <laughs> oh, it is, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, dearie me. <laughs> he never ever says Would you like that. a cup of tea, Father? <laughs> Mrs. Doyle, sit down. Would you kindly drink that cup of tea and kill some splicers? Oh, shut up. Oh, dear. <laughs> We'd like to apologise uh, to the people of Ireland. <laughs> as you should. As, as we should as English people, yeah. Well, just in general. And we... for whatever fuck that was from James... <laughs> Okay, to be fair, Andrew Ryan... Sorry, Atlas's... No, don't, 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 don't give me that. I know I know about the Andrew Ryan and the... We mentioned it last episode yeah. as well. Atlas's accent is bad on purpose. So yes. I'm committing to that. That's fine. But as I was saying about Grace's taste improving, I see this is a Latesfic. I mean, no offence to Orphan Account, but this was my second choice because... <laughs> I was going to read a Jack and Booker DeWitt fic, but they call each other by pet names, like... <laughs> okay. And this is the reason I couldn't read the fic. Grace, you can't just... <laughs> because the pet names are just so... They tickle me so hard, I couldn't Grace. be coherent. Grace. <laughs> what were the pet names? What were the pet, the pet names? names? They're so normal as well. I just can't. If needs be, type them and I'll say them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's no, it is really normal. It's, it's really but normal. But what are they? Like, every time it would come up, I'd just. I spent like 20 minutes trying to review it and I'm just. Uh, I just couldn't. Grace. Oh, <laughs> this is 20 minutes set up for a joke which probably isn't even that funny. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not even a joke. It's just, it's tickled me really hard. <laughs> oh no. What were the pet names? I've, I've typed them. They were Buttercup and Cinnamon Bun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who were the pair again? Like, Sorry. It was a Jack and Booker do it. Okay. Each other mouth. So. <laughs> Too grizzly. Yeah, I'm just trying to imagine Bucket of Whitmore. Damned men. <laughs> just... He's got that kind of grizzled action hero voice. So he's like, hey, Buttercup. Very... Just stop. <laughs> it, was, it was very fluffy. A very sweet fic, but I could. Not... It was unpresentable for me. <laughs> <laughs> hey there, uh... Cinnamon Bun. Stop, 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 stop. I imagine you doing stop. the finger guns while you did that as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It wasn't even like that. They were just saying it like those their like affectionate names. It was but, so mushy. I was just. Oh, but Book has got a grizzled action hero voice. <laughs> I know, and it's just. Oh God. Yeah, oddly enough, James's pet name for us both is for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> I've noticed. It's so endearing. Yeah. I love it when he says it. 
Oh, I'm For glad. fuck's sake, will you turn yourself down? <laughs> oh, that's a point. It's often Jesus Christ as well. <laughs> he can't help you. Yes. I know. God knows I've asked him enough times. Alright, sorry. The fic I'm reading today is Supersymmetry by Orphan Account. And the summary is, Robert has a problem. Rosalind finds a solution. Notes. For Wild Shade, Wild Shade's letter had me at Rosalind Lettuce. Lettuce? Lettuce. and pegging. I have noticed there's a lot of Lettuce and pegging out there. And fair play. Does she kind of give off a vibe, Rosalind Lettuce? She, she is a very, like, strong-willed woman and she'll just sort of, she gets shit done. Mm-hmm. And that's probably where that stemmed from. <laughs> <laughs> I've no idea. But this is, like, the third Lettuce pegging fic I've seen. It's just a thing that she does. Yeah, we're not here to judge. So, additional... As we can tell, the relationship is between Robert and Rosalind Lattes. And they do refer to each other's brother and sister in this, even though they are fully aware that they are from different dimensions and all that stuff. I just thought that would be a quick warning if anyone decides to read it. Additional tags, Yule Porn, Pegging... Plot, what, plot, slash, porn, with plot, and humour. Porn with plot? 2013. This did come out around Christmas 2013 as well, so... Did indeed. Oh, well, happy Christmas, everybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, ho, ho. Yeah, many years ago. Many, many years ago. <laughs> Merry quantum incest. Exactly. So, it starts with... The foreplay was going swimmingly until Robert started bleeding on her shoulder. Good lord, not again. Just ignore it. I shan't, it is quite unpleasant. I'm not exactly keen on minor hemorrhaging either. So it's established early on in this that they can share memories if there's a sort of trigger. But the problem is that parallel world stuff side effects kick in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so think, thinking of, oh, this reminds me of a time someone in a different parallel universe did this with someone. They'll start like to hemorrhage a little bit. They'll start turning into Swiss cheese in their mm-hmm. brain. Oh, nice. Okay. But That's kind of how Robert it works. Robert is thinking with his dick, so he's quite happy risking his brain leaking out of his ears. <laughs> but Rob Rosalind is not. Uh, there's a joke in there that we could make about men and women, <laughs> but you know, That's not where <laughs> I was going. <laughs> I wonder if we finally succeed in having relations without triggering one of my episodes. Perhaps I might subsequently recall the encounter from your point of view. A well-rounded individual must take the time for introspection. <laughs> that would please you, Rosalind said. In that case, I have an idea. Oh. So, she hurries off, she goes rummaging around a drawer and pulls out a blooming great dildo and holds it up to Robert <laughs> and he's just like, look, I, I don't know what you've heard about Eton. Yeah, that's a great idea. But I can assure you... <laughs> That most of the borders there are not nearly adventurous enough to go so far as buggery, myself included. And she's like, that's an interesting insight on your history, but that's hardly pertinent to the experiment at hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh, fuck that. So she like sort of rolls him over. <laughs> into place and he's like ah i see you meant to avoid causing an episode by engaging in an activity which i have not previously formed thus ensuring that none of your memories will intrude on my awareness precisely clever <laughs> and there it is yeah. if robert wants to get his end away without a fatal hemorrhage then he's just gonna have to take it up the arse because science you're welcome <laughs> excellent i love it 
I guess to avoid intruding on memories, they'd have to keep getting kinkier and kinkier then. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's just like memories from um, their, their oh, true. other parallel yeah. worlds. This is so. the Lutest twins and the kinkularity. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're working stuff out. Science is in progress here. They're working it out. So, Rosalind, conundrum. There was Robert's arse, but what to do with it now? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly Rosalind was aware of the mechanics of what she was about to attempt, but this was rather more daunting in the flesh than it had been in her head. This may require some coordination. <laughs> <laughs> so she's just sort of looking at his arse in the air while he's on his hands and knees, and he's just like, so... <laughs> what did I say about staying quiet? She just gives him a smack. I said, uh, there'll be something in it for me. I'm devising an approach. And he goes, mm-hmm, okay. Robert sounded far too sceptical for a man with his buttons. Now, the there's a line. There that is, is a, a fantastic quote. <laughs> it's, oh dear. Either way, she goes, stay there. She dashes over to the nearest linen closet to retrieve some sort of loot. Some of the lubricant they had used in the maintenance of their machine. No, that's, that's right. She's broken out. That's WD forty. That's yeah. a bad <laughs> idea. Gender, to stretch her gender bent clone out with. Why it's in the linen drawer? I don't know. Why it's WD forty? I don't know. There are other Nick, other lubricants that you would be know better off the top of your head. When was WD forty invented? Okay, I don't know, but I would just like to say something, if you please. Okay. Remember, kids, WD-40 is not a lubricant. It is a penetrant. If you are going to do this with car stuff, then use engine oil or lithium grease. <laughs> Thank you for today's okay, top so, tip. So, okay, they don't specify the lubricant of the machine. Mm-hmm. It probably was a type of grease. Yes. You know, that's just me not knowing enough about WD-40 as a penetrant. <laughs> But it's regardless, it's going to be penetrating Robert. Yes. Later, so, you know. so, side, just so we can say we've learned something today. Um, WD-40 was invented in 1953. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Bioshock Infinite says Excellent. in the 20s, but through Tears. all their parallel universe shenanigans, they may have stolen WD-40 from a parallel universe. Yeah, they've stolen WD-40 through tears. And talking of tears... Uh, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that's exactly what's happening here. Stop. Poor Roberts. <laughs> Either way, why it's in the linen drawer, I don't know, but I think I reckon it's the typical junk drawer that everyone mm-hmm. has. But yeah, God knows I've got one. Either way. back to the story. Rosalind dipped two fingers in her tin of lubricant. Ah, it's in a tin, and shoved. <laughs> sorry, and shoved them inside her counterpart. His sphincter squeezed reflexively to keep her out, but she was having none of it. <laughs> The language in this is so mm. funny. It's very Mary Poppins. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> it's written how they speak. Yes, it is. Do you enjoy this? She asked because she wanted to hear Robert say it. Don't you enjoy <laughs> it? Rosalind pulled the dildo out until only the tip was inside and slapped it in with all her might. <laughs> that should show him the consequences of being cheeky. Unless he fisted his hands in his sheets and groaned like ramming him open was the best idea she had had all night. Infuriating man. Infuriating man. man. <laughs> Either way, Robert finishes and offers to return the favour because he's a gent. So, in conclusion, the experiment what a was a success. We, we have not had any... Uh, any... <laughs> any uh, fatal hemorrhages or, you know, anything like that. So, um... 
If you tear a hole in the fabric in the universe and meet yourself <laughs> and both parties agree and both parties agree to coitus, well, now you know. Now you know what to do. Thank you very much, author of accounts. <laughs> this was very entertaining, and I hope you continue to write. Thank you for coming to Grace's TED Talk on quantum physics. <laughs> <laughs> on what to do if you meet yourself and you want to have sex with them. <laughs> that is, yeah, apparently pegging is the answer. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm remembered for this, like... The Grace Effect. <laughs> the Grace Effect, how they... You want us to be remembered? <laughs> it's, I can't possibly take the credit. <laughs> No, the, the credit orphan account credit. Of orphan underscore account, but yeah. Whoever they may be. Whoever they may be. That was good. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> I love how this was written. I cut a lot out because, you know, I want people to mm-hmm. give it a little read and just sort of enjoy it for themselves. Of course. Because I don't think my reading will do it justice, but yeah, mm-hmm. have fun. Honestly, that goes for all the fix on the show. Read them yourselves. They're out there. There are links in the show notes. They are and... out there as well, a lot of them. A lot of them are definitely out there. Yeah, they're definitely out there. <laughs> yeah. But no, this was fun. Hmm, it was. I also have a Latesfic to talk about, because they are my OTP for Bioshock, and... I can see a theme here. Today is the Quantum Incest episode. <laughs> so I have been reading The Other Side of the Coin by Quantum Levitation, and I'm going to be completely honest, I feel a little bit blue-balled by the Bioshock Infinite fandom. Why? Okay, why? And that's largely because there's a lot of wonderful fics out there, most of them aren't finished. Oh, I see. And out of all the ones I read, this is my favourite one, but it is unfinished. It's ten chapters in, and we pretty much only scratched the surface. Oh, last updated 2014 as well. Yeah. Ah, shit. I mean, I'm going to message the author, and I quantum levitation, if you're still out there, I'd love it if you update this. I would happily go back, read more of it, but again, it's been so long, I'm, I don't expect anything. So, our story begins with how they met, actually. Um, uh, our man, Robert Latesse, is waiting to meet her. He's actually bought a new bed for her, because she's going to be staying over. Oh, okay. He's... Even bought her some nice pastries to make sure. So she'd have something to enjoy. Thinks she'll enjoy them. He hopes he'll enjoy them. It very much gives the vibe of someone about to sort of first date. They've only messaged each other via Morse code so far. Okay. But they figured out the portal, opens it up, out steps a woman. Um, She was... He had never imagined himself female. But when he saw her, he knew who she was. And he felt the knowing down to the bottoms of his feet. My name, she says... My name is Rosalind Latesse. He goes, and my name is Robert. And then she passes out. Oh, no. Straight away. Just fucking oh. gone. <laughs> Walk through portal, collapse. Um, Jesus. This fic tells its stories. Um, it alternates with the chapters. Chapter two is about how they first got talking. Okay. So we go back in time to July 19th. Robert is building his machine, his Latesse field, and it seems like it's broken. Every time he'd turn it on, uh, it would work for a bit, and that it would start flickering. It would turn itself off, and then on, and then back on, and then off again. And that's when he noticed it was blinking in Morse code. It was blinking ah. the words "hello" in Morse code. Ah. And he th- he thought it was just his equipment was broken, but after a while, it's like, oh shit, there's a pattern to this. So 
flicks his machine off and on back again to say hello back. And he gets another message, and it says, My name is Lutess. He messages back, That's my name. There's a pause, and it comes back and it says, Rosalind Lutess. And he introduces himself, Robert Lutess. And a match was made in heaven. <laughs> and they start messaging each other back and forth a fair bit. Chapter three, we go back to the present day. Uh, she's passed out. Robert is panicking. He has moved her to the bed. He's grabbed the cleanest towels he can find. And he's like, okay, she's having the nosebleed. He's like, okay, shit, put this all together. And he ends up, he does what any British man would do in the time of an emergency. He puts a kettle on. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. No. You need tea in a crisis. No. Yeah. He puts the kettle on. And while it's waiting to boil, he thinks the best thing to do would be to look through her luggage to see if there's any notes on sort of the effects of traveling between dimensions. And he says, um, Rosalind, I'm sorry to have to do this, but I'm going to go through your suitcase to see if I can find something, anything about what's going on here. I know I'd hate it if someone did that to me, and if you're like me, you'll hate that I did this too, but I have to take the chance. Oh, ever the gentleman. Yeah, he's very oh, polite about it. Yeah. And he's surprised to find all of his clothing is mirrored in her suitcase. Like, he has, he has that <laughs> shirt, he has that, I mean, it's a skirt, but he has, like, the style. Yeah, I like, see. All of their clothing is incredibly similar, and that kind of spooks him a little bit. But he finds it nice, in a way. Uh, as he's making the tea, he bashes his leg against the, the side of the table. And then he hears a scream from his bedroom, where she's lying in wait, which was a bit weird for him. Oh, she's going to feel his pain. Oh. So he goes in, she's got the bruise where he would, where he should have developed a bruise. And at that point he goes, ah, oh, okay. And he starts, like, hitting himself on loads of things and she's just being crippled about. It's like, you bastard, stop. <laughs> Hang on, let me find the quote. He's there like, this is really funny. <laughs> stop hitting yourself. <laughs> as soon as he does that, he must try it out. Not thinking, he strides over and holds his hand in the column of steam that is erupting from the kettle. No pain, just condensation. He hears her voice again from the bedroom and rushes in to find her clutching her hand. What the hell are you doing, you goddamn fool? Oh, well, realizes what she's said, realizes what's happening. Blood comes in flowing and hot, and he holds her until it stops. So, realizing he doesn't feel pain, he has put his hand into the hot kettle and just melted her hand. And what she's, a what a come over the steam. <laughs> yeah, sorry, he's holding it over the steam. Just like ah, and he apologizes. Like I'm sorry, Rosalind. I had to test it, and she goes. No, I would have done the same. Don't worry. <laughs> Another compress for the hand, though, if you would. <laughs> and I really like that. <laughs> She's like, yeah, this hurts. I'd have done the same. Yeah. <laughs> Science first. <laughs> Science first before personal mm -hmm. feelings. And she looks over to him. He, he's now writing notes going, oh, shit, this is interesting. She's going, Why don't you use a voxophone? A what? A voxophone. They record your voice. Much faster. I've gone entirely over to the things. Or actually, oh, no such thing here. Because, yeah, so Columbia is more advanced than Robert's home timeline. Yes. And at this point he meant, she goes, hmm. I suppose you're going to tell me next you don't have any servants. You've been running after everything yourself. Robert responds, one of the women down the way comes, comes by once a week and cleans. But no, I don't know how I'd afford servants on my salary. 
She replies, that's going to have to change, you know. I don't know how we can do science ourselves without being looked after. <laughs> and Robert goes, I, I'd actually thought, I'd assumed. And then she just goes red with anger and goes, I do not keep house. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay, I'll get some servants, fine. He goes, well, I best get inventing then. So one thing we learn from this fic Columbia is very much the racism dimension. Okay. Well, it was that in the games, to be fair. It was exactly that in the games. Like, mm. in the flashbacks, Rosalind laments that she has achieved more than Robert, for sure. Like, she built Columbia. Yeah. But she only managed that because she was funded by Comstock, who's a super racist. Who is the the mega racist, that yeah. Racism. Mm-hmm. On the other hand... The alpha racist. On the other hand, Robert's dimension has the same attitudes as our dimension in the late 19th century. And he very much expects Rosalind to do housekeeping and, you know, the the women chores. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because feminism had not been invented yet. Um, it had. Sorry, the suffragette movement had started. Forgive me. I'm not a history guy. And we find this out during the messages to them. Uh, they're comparing notes. He's like, oh, where, where do you live? I'm in Colombia. What state? It's like, oh. Oh, do you mean Colombia? Uh, what, are you to the north of Chicago? No, we're above Chicago. When I say above Chicago. And he messages her saying, so where is Robert? Like, Who? And are you Robert's wife or lab assistant? Oh, no. And then she responds, there's no Robert here. <laughs> He's like, oh, are you are you a scientist? I am Rosalind Latesse, she responds. Whatever her other accomplishments, she may be the first person to imbue Morse code with sarcasm. (laughs) (laughs) If anybody could, it's Rosalind Latesse. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah. Yeah, so she asks where the flying city is, and it's like, there is no flying city here. She's like, ah, you've not achieved the same as I have. Curious. (laughs) Robert's like, bit miffed and she responds fucking emasculated yeah do not despair <laughs> my advances come with the money of a religious maniac by the name of comstock this is his city i'm sorry robert i must go i have to give tours i'll be back tonight at nine so back to the present day and they're loving this um they they start experimenting with the pain thing trying to work out like uh how how things go uh so we cut to rosalind's perspective uh, this is chapter seven, incidentally. I've been okay. skipping a fair bit. Yeah, yeah. So this is the diary of Rosalind Latesse. She's miffed that she can't use a voxophone here, and it'll take her a few days to invent one here, but in the meantime, she's just going to make do with pen and paper. Mm-hmm. So she's shocked at how much Robert looks like her. Man of science that he is, he plunged his hand into the steam of the tea kettle from there, searing my flesh. <laughs> In the intervening week, we've performed a number of experiments. They've been primarily physical. I don't know what outside people would say if they saw how many cuts and bruises we've both inflicted on ourselves. But, um, yeah, so the gist seems to be, if one of them gets injured, there's a 50-50% chance as to who it actually appears on. Okay. It also affects emotions as well. For example, if I frighten myself with a spider, he will experience the accelerated heart rate and sense of unease but will not be able to identify why. Hmm. I like to imagine she just went to find a spider. (laughs) (laughs) Frighten herself. I mean, I thought that a lot of people's fear of spiders uh, sort of comes from the unexpected. It can do. Yeah, you you sort of find them and it's like, you know, you don't expect them to be there. It's a complicated one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, So this section made me laugh. And I'll just read it verbatim, but it's very good. 
Robert has asked me to refer to him as brother, and he refers to me as his sister. He says that this is for the benefit of the neighbours, who would by no means understand our true relationship. He has also asked me to behave in a more feminine manner in public. Oh no. I have acquiesced to the first in small ways, but I will not keep house for him, as he has asked me to do to keep up appearances. <laughs> Furthermore, I have begun to doubt that his affections for me are of a brotherly nature. On a number of occasions, after we have been working together for a long stretch, he has gone to sequester himself for some time. Is he sneaking off for a... Yeah. A wank? During which the universe, in its infinite wisdom, decided to bestow the results of his efforts on my person rather than his. I cannot imagine what he must have been thinking as his efforts did not produce the desired effects and I believe that the last time he realised what was happening and without making a direct reference apologised and I have not been so troubled since I mean he kind of knew that was going to happen yeah so he spending time with with Rosalind he he gets a little you know masculine urges Yeah. uh, goes upstairs to sort himself out Cranks one out. She then feels the orgasm. <laughs> She's minding her own business, putting the kettle on, making a cup of tea, and all of a sudden, the tea goes oh. everywhere. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's there. Like that was rubbish. <laughs> yeah. I came, but I felt nothing. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing. That'd be terrifying. You would think he would have realised. Like I guess he was so fulfilled with masculine urges that he didn't quite think it through. <laughs> caught up in the moment. Mm-hmm. Thinking with his dick once again. Thinking with his dick. Yeah. I see this in a lot of fics, and I don't know, I need to replay Bioshock Infinite. I, I feel like Robert is not the smart one of the two of them. <laughs> like, they're both smart people as quantum physicists, but I get the impression Rosalind is the brains of their outfit. Right, fair enough. And he's a bit of a himbo in every fic I've read. <laughs> <laughs> despite being genius. Yeah, despite being the super genius by anybody's standards in the world. Yeah. Like yeah. He, he did invent qu- qu- uh, quantum levitation eventually. He just didn't have the money of the super racists. Yeah. Uh, right. The rest is quite domestic and fluffy. Until the end, the final chapter of this, um, it's back to the Morse code interactions between the two of them. Hmm. So that's what Rosalind saying, I won't do it. I won't. Robert, you won't do what? Roz. He needs a child, an heir of his body. He thinks it prophecy. I call it madness. A child? His wife has not borne him a child. What? He knows there are other worlds. He wants you to... He wants one of the other girls. He has asked this of you. Madness. You aren't going to... No, but how how to tell him no? Robert stays his hand before he sends the next words. He feels as if his whole being is aimed towards this one desire. Come here. What? Come here. If you can open a tear to steal a child, you can open a tear to save yourself. A pause. I will think on it. I must go. I hear him coming. So that's the whole premise of this fic. Instead of the plot of Bioshock Infinite happening, as soon as she gets asked to kidnap Elizabeth, she's like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm off. And Which is, to be fair, anybody's rational... It's a much more sensible answer. Yeah, exactly. Rather she goes... than going and doing it. Instead of Robert moving in with Rosalind and being like, ooh, cool, fancy city, they do the more sensible option of just fucking off. Yeah. (laughs) Then Elizabeth can't be kidnapped because no one else knows how to work the bloody machine, and the plot of Bioshock doesn't happen. And we all live happily ever after. (laughs) 
yeah, that would have been a, a much more logical yeah. solution, I think. Like, on one hand, Rosalind has to sort of put up with the, the sexism of the time. But on the other hand, the fate of the multiverse isn't plunged into peril. Very true. This seems like an advantage to me. Yeah, I thought so, yeah. So as I say, this fic hasn't been finished yet. How do you guys think it should end? Like, what would you do going from this point? I kind of want to see them go take down Columbia so that Rosalind can move back to her own time. Yeah? Like, they sort of band together, they get rid of the super racists, and um, maybe some sort of complication revolving, like, the timelines. Like, Rosalind can't be there for too long because it's upsetting the, the natural mm. balance of things. And That could be interesting. Yeah, I think that would be quite interesting, that. I'd quite like to watch Rosalind Latesse invent the suffragette movement. Oh, that too, yeah. And sort of bring about gender equality in this dimension. That would be pretty good, to be fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Alternatively, there was another fic I read, which has sort of become headcanon to me in how of what happens to the, the Latesses. Okay. So this is a second fic I, that I read, and I was like, okay, I, I can't cover this, but it sounds good. Called Lost in the Ocean of Time, and... It's about Rosalind getting lost in the ocean of time, and she arrives in a universe without um, without Columbia. Yeah. And she ends up working for a nice young man she met in Germany called Adolf Hitler. No. Oh, no. No. And, like, she meets him and she's like, oh, German politician, because it's the 1920s, and she doesn't know, because how could she? <laughs> and, oh, dear. So my headcanon is the Latesses always end up working for someone really awful. <laughs> <laughs> like, as brilliant as they are, I think they have terrible judgement. Just just down through the years. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, it's sort of their fate to work for the worst person of whatever timeline they arrive in. Oh, no. So... Like minions, but with a high IQ. It's like the minions, <laughs> who... I've been informed, according to the minions' timeline, they were frozen during World War II, so the writers of minions didn't have to address them working for Hitler. Oh, shit. <laughs> The, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, just just wind back a second. Are you saying that the Minions franchise has extended law? Yeah. yeah. Fuck off. Yeah, they so are. I've really? been told. Really? Yeah. yeah. They mentioned but, it on Behind the Bastards briefly, that um, throughout history the Minions have worked for the worst person of that time period, yeah, that's just, yeah. and so they were frozen during World War II and like slept through that time. And the main reason for that was to justify them not having to work for Hitler. I see. Because the minions, because then the studio would have had to animate the minions' work. You get the idea. They should have just done that. It would have been hilarious. <laughs> it's a kids' movie, Nick. <laughs> they still should have just done that. Mummy, who's that man? <laughs> yeah, they they couldn't have done that. Um. But yeah, that's kind of how I see this going. They'll end up trying to find a new sponsor to work for them. It'll be someone from our time who is horrendous. Yeah. And it could just backfire that way. I'd like them to just sort of settle down and be happy, to be honest. Like, if the if they wrote, like, another ten chapters of, of them just living domestic physicist lives, I'd be down for that, too. They are kind of fluffy when you get down yeah. to it. I don't think exactly. anything could be... Like ever stay domestic after working out how to create tears in the universe. They were like, so what's the next big thing? Ooh, and then they'd just do that. I think it's just in their nature. I don't know. I think I could live a domestic life if I had the Latessa's powers. I think it'd get very boring very quickly. It's like, oh yeah, why have domestic bliss when I can go anywhere in the universe? There is that. I'd use it for really domestic petty things, though. Like, say if I went to see a film and I didn't like the ending... 
I would search for a reality where the film is better. You'd change the ending? No, I'd travel to a universe where the ending was good. Yeah. Like, I'd find a universe with a good Star Wars sequel trilogy. I mean, I've just thought of something. Um, mm-hmm. Why have domestic bliss when you can visit any point in the universe? Mm-hmm. Isn't that just the plot of Doctor Who? Exactly. Yeah, so... See, I'm pretty sure the Latesses are less Doctor Who and more the film Everything Everywhere all at once. Okay. Or it's not so much travel... It's only fifth-dimensional travel rather than... Like, there's no fourth-dimensional or third-dimensional travel. Yeah. If that makes sense. It's just you hop to an alternative reality but in the same position. Oh, I see. It's like yeah. um, H.G. Wells is the time machine. Yeah, I think that's how it works anyway. It's... I don't know. It, Bioshock didn't flesh it out that well. Mm. But still, thoroughly enjoyed this fic. Quantum Levitation, if you're out there, I'd love it if you finish this. But, as I say, it's been quite some time. Yeah, it was quite fun. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, I love the idea of someone cranking one out only to find out to their horror that it someone affects- else... <laughs> Their crush has felt it instead. Their crush yeah. has fucking nicked it by accident. Yeah, that's that's a curse. <laughs> oh dear. Mm. Uh, that was a, a pretty fun uh, sort of mental image, to be fair. So mm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Nick, take us home. What have you been reading? Okay, so. Um, I realise that I've linked you to chapter two of what I'm reading when we should start at the beginning because it's a very good place to start. I have been reading Bio-What? Bio-What? A Bioshock parody by Amsari. And basically, I've always sort of admired fanfiction authors to answer questions that a few people have asked, such as, what if Jack Ryan wasn't a silent protagonist? But also to ask questions that I didn't know I want answered. Mm. Okay, which... before you say anything. Yeah. I don't know how familiar you are with the Legend of Zelda series, but I know we covered it on the show. But Link is usually a silent protagonist. Yeah. And the one time they let him speak, he was the worst person ever. Well, it's funny you should say that. Like, he he was a 90s Brooklyn man going, Well, excuse me, princess, all the time. I... Is that what happens with Jack? It isn't. Oh, okay. The question that I got answered that I never knew I wanted answering was, um, what if Jack wasn't a silent protagonist, but was also as dumb as a sack of hammers? Okay. <laughs> Can I just uh, get this in very quickly? Well, excuse me, Atlas. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Just every time he asks, that's how he responds to Woody <laughs> kindly the whole time. Excuse me, Atlas. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Sushong really wanted to piss Frank Fontaine <laughs> off. <laughs> we created the perfect killing machine. I also made him an asshole as a joke. <laughs> um, Wait, that's the plot of Deadpool. <laughs> yes, it is. It is, oddly cool. enough. <laughs> he was already an asshole. That's fair. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. So, I'll start with a summary. The would you kindly activation phrase works too well in the game. Have you ever wondered why Jack says nothing at all? This is why. Or the story where Sushong didn't do a perfect job making Jack and Fontaine is the one who has to deal with him. Okay. I should mention, uh, spoiler alert for Bioshock, by the way. uh, Oh, we're like an hour in, Nick. (laughs) Yeah, I know, but this very closely follows the, uh, the plot to Bioshock 1. Okay, fair. 
So anyway, Frank Fontaine is in his lair pretending to be Atlas. Here's the bathosphere coming down. He's finally getting his ace in the hole, his supermassive killing machine to go and... All according to plan. Yep, he's coming down to make his evil plan real. Andrew Ryan is going to get what's coming to him. A hole in one. Yep, the bathosphere comes down. Fontaine's like, are you there? In Atlas's accent. Because I'm not going to attempt to do it. Oh, do it, Nick. Do it. Do it. Would you kindly pick up the shortwave radio? Nice. Fontaine tried talking again. Finally, Jack answers, hello, I'm Jack. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. uh, Yes, I can hear you. Thank you. Fontaine says, listen, I don't know how you survived that plane crash, but I've never been one to question Providence. Smirking like, yeah, this is going to plan. I'm Atlas and I aim to keep you alive. Now keep on moving. We're going to have to get you to higher ground. Take a deep breath and step out of the bathosphere. I won't leave you twisting in the wind. Jack's like, what? I'm I'm not getting out of this thing. (laughs) Sensible. (laughs) Why should I believe you? I don't... I I was on a fucking plane ten minutes ago. So, yeah, Jack is like, not here for this at all. Which, fair (laughs) enough. I, um... Up until the twist at the end, I always did wonder, like, how he could keep his shit together. Uh, because, like, we would be... I would not have gotten in the bathosphere in the first place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would have probably sat outside that lighthouse until I died of hypothermia, but there we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Fontaine's like, for fuck's sake, Sushong, you bastard. And he's sort of thinking, well, maybe would you kindly isn't the right one. Not the right phrase. I've written down the wrong activation phrase. He uh, he sort of says, right, well, we're not going to panic now. And... <laughs> Jack's still panicking. How are you going to help me by leaving me here all alone? Am I the only one looking at the corpse on the floor? I'm not going to leave this thing. (laughs) So eventually, Fontaine tries. Now, would you kindly step out of that thing? And then very slowly, Jack starts walking outside the bathosphere. So he deals with the the splicer. He finds the wrench. Not happy about it, though. I I don't want to kill people. Also fair. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, all Fontaine said was pick up the crowbar. He's not saying, would you kindly kill? Yeah, I know. But, like, he's found the wrench and he's like, I, I really hope I don't have to use it. <laughs> and then Jack stops again. And Fontaine's thinking, oh, for fuck's sake, what's now? Atlas, there's a snack bar on the table. <laughs> <laughs> I see. <laughs> and Fontaine's, like, trying to keep his shit together. He's like, you can eat whatever you want to eat, boyo. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> and he does. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so Fontaine's had enough already. He just wants to teleport Jack right into Andrew Ryan's office and have him deal with him. We are on the next chapter, and you will remember that when you find the first Gatherer's Garden machine and you're thinking, why the fuck would anybody take a file of glowing blue liquid and jam it into their arm like Jack is instructed to do? Mm -hmm. But he finds the Gatherer's Garden machine. So this is Adam. They look like perfume bottles. Strawberry perfume. They do. (laughs) Takes the syringe to inject the Adam. It's like, the I'm not going to inject some glowing red liquid into my veins. I don't like needles. I'm sorry, Nick. Say that again. Hey? Jack took one of the... Syringes. Syringe. Yeah, syringe. Shring- Is it just me hearing that? Syringe. <laughs> you say it like Sean Connery. Do I? Yeah. <laughs> Syringes. Syringe. Syringe. Syringe, then. I'm from the north. Yeah, I can't you're talk saying properly. syringe. <laughs> Oh, for God's sake. I'm sorry. I just, I just, I just, <laughs> shringe? Ah, Mr. Shringe. Mr. Shringe. <laughs> sorry, carry it's, it's a shringe, okay. Um, okay, anyway. the shringe. So, you know, Jack is understandably balking at the prospect of just jamming a random hypodermic into his arm. 
coward. He doesn't like needles, but Fontaine's like, I know that's a lot to ask, but trust me, boyo, it won't hurt you. You've never taken anything like that before. It's just to make sure you won't be risking too much. The wrench won't be enough. And Jack's like, <laughs> what's going to happen if I'm allergic to it? You're going to be just fine, boyo. Would you kindly get over it? <laughs> and then, of course, he jams the hypodermic into his arm, uh, falls off the balcony, passes out. Oh, what? Yeah. Uh, luckily, he's still alive. And uh, Fontaine's like, you're all right, boyo? My head hurts. Yeah, well, it could have been worse. I mean, this is how I'd respond, to be fair. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like he's quite childish in this. Like, he's he's quite... He's talking like a young person would. Yeah, his... Um, well, his development was sort of artificially accelerated. Oh, so he's still like a preteen or something. Yeah, that's it. This is sort of my headcanon. He's still about six in his head. Mm. Yeah, it makes uh, sense. But either that or he's just really, really stupid, which is also really endearing, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he witnesses the Big Daddy encounter, the very first one. Then he gets beaten to death by two splicers and two minutes later falls out of the, uh, the Vita chambers. <laughs> so he gets his ass kicked pretty early. Pretty early, yeah. Uh, okay, so skipping on, he ends up in the medical pavilion. Hang on, no, let's not skip over this, because... Like, he he dies briefly. Yeah, he does. <laughs> there's a bit of an existential crisis at the end of this chapter. Yeah, he does. <laughs> what was that? I was dead and then... <laughs> ah, you're fine. Get, yeah. off, get on your feet, boyo. Walk Do they off. use chambers? No, <laughs> just go. <laughs> yeah, um, Fontaine is really having trouble dealing with this... Uh... Well, he, he shouldn't have created a child soldier then. Yeah, exactly. This like... is it. That's why I need adult soldiers. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Don't create child soldiers. I'm glad we learned something today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Finally, something we can all agree upon. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I'm pleased you agree with that, Grace, because... That's because they're useless. It was a 50-50... <sighs> okay, carry on with the... <laughs> Before Grace outs herself as being the sociopath she is. I am warning you, Grace. <laughs> Don't get us cancelled because of this, please. <laughs> Okay, so they try to sneak into Neptune's bounty. It doesn't go well, so they've got to go through to the medical pavilion. Jack finds a new plasmid. He finds Incinerate, which is one of my personal favourites. And he's uh, talking to uh, Atlas on the radio. Okay, here's the situation. I'm stuck in a room full of gasoline. Splices all around me. They're going to break the windows. What do I do? Set the gas on fire. But I'm in the room! Get on a desk or something and set the gas on fire. The splices will burn, would you kindly? Now, <laughs> would you kindly? <laughs> if you also had to explain to him how to get on a desk, he doesn't know what's going to happen next. <laughs> and anyway, there's a loud explosion. Yeah, he's he's Atlas. he's fine. <laughs> Atlas, Boyo, are you okay? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, there was so much fire, and then I think I got burned. Like I can't feel my face burned, so he's blundered into the fire, basically. Oh. Thankfully, Dr. Steinman wasn't so hard to kill in the end. He tripped on a corpse and killed himself, banging his head accidentally. <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, he is... Uh, is it idiot savanting his way through through Rapture, as you will see? He's rolling a lot of twenties. Okay, we pick up the chapter in Fort Frolic. Atlas is talking to Sander Cohen. La la la. The man of the revolution needs my help, perhaps. Is there something you need from a humble artist? And, yeah, it turns out that uh, Cohen's going through the whole sort of piano recital thing with that man strapped to the uh, to the piano with TNT in it. Then all of a Jesus sudden, Christ. something crashes and explodes in the background. 
Atlas can hear the sound of something burning. And then he hears Jack. Uh, I think I may have shot the piano, which was full of explosive, but then I also shot Cohen in the head at the same time. <laughs> oh, Wait, <my> what? <laughs> Wait, what? So, I found a new weapon, some kind of machine gun, I think, and I wanted to try it, so, yeah. Did 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 I do something wrong? Because I think I killed somebody accidentally. Oh, man, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And Fontaine's sort of thinking to himself, please don't kill yourself too many times. You could become even more stupid than you are already. He is... <laughs> Had enough. He's thinking, wherever Sushong was, he hoped he was suffering. <laughs> okay, next chapter, he's in Hephaestus. They're nearing Andrew Ryan. Um, it's coming to one of the climaxes of the games. Hey, boy, oh, listen, would you kindly head to Ryan's office and kill the son of a bitch? And he's still trying not to lose his temper. Enough was enough, but um, he'd started his descent. <laughs> so, and Jack's like, well, that's the plan, but I'm trying to get to him, but he blocked every room, every corridor, and then he has an idea, right? And Jack shouts to the sky, I'm going to break down your office door, Ryan. Do you hear me? I'm coming. I'm going to save this city. And Fontaine's like, he can't hear you, boyo. <laughs> and then Jack just aims his grenade launcher at one of the doors, <laughs> fires a grenade at it, kills himself. He tumbles back out of the Vita chamber, and yeah. I think I'd have done the same, to be honest. Yep, the doors have opened. <laughs> then in the next chapter, Jack's like, I'm, I'm really sorry that we couldn't save your family. And Fontaine's like, for fuck's sake, it, it doesn't matter. We're going to go get our revenge. Now go kill that bastard, would you kindly? And he's thinking, Sushong owes me a big fucking apology, but he's dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's the wish.com child soldier. Yeah. That's it. Oh my god. So he's nearing Andrew Ryan's office and he goes into the room with the would you kindly on the wall. He's standing there like, uh, is that ink or blood? I mean, <laughs> there are some words written on the wall in red up there, would you kindly? Hey Atlas, isn't that thing you say over and over again? Would you kindly this, would you kindly that? Oh look, that's me. <laughs> As he looks at the photos on the wall. I swear that's a picture of me on the wall. I'm 100% sure. Look, who's that handsome fella? <laughs> Oh, oh, he's turned into Johnny Bravo overnight. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Jack's a bit embarrassed, and he says, Not to be rude, Atlas, but I don't even know who you do look like. I mean, I looked at your face on the posters. It would be strange, don't you think? <laughs> you said that Ryan is the only one between us, and I thought you were implying that we don't. Fontaine <laughs> stopped him before he could say something Jack would have deeply regretted. And then they're interrupted by the sound of Andrew Ryan pissing himself laughing at them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Please don't stop. I'm having the time of my life. I can't say that I'm proud of my Ill- illegitimate progeny who's turned out to be this idiot, but it could have been so much worse. <laughs> oh. So. I mean, that's nicer than his, than the canon version. Yeah, I know. But, yeah, Andrew Ryan pretty much, yeah, finds it hilarious. And, yeah, Jack didn't take this well. He fainted, and then he woke up in the nearest Vita chamber. Then he fainted again, and once again. <laughs> <laughs> But finally he stops dying and he's like, I'm okay, I'm okay now. I mean, it's not like all days you discover that your real dad is a weirdo living in Atlantis. <laughs> and Ryan's like, that was rude. Rapture is a modern Atlantis. <laughs> so he goes into uh, Ryan's office and there's the whole, a man chooses a slave obey scene. Sit, mm-hmm. would you kindly? Why should I sit? Jack asked him. I can stand, thank you. Sit. And Fontaine's <laughs> like, you feel me now, Ryan? <laughs> Oh, I hope this ends with like 
Ryan and Fontaine just bonding over this. Like, oh, man, oh, this idiot. <laughs> I think you'll like the ending. Okay. Yeah. Did you really want to kill me so much that you made this buffoon? Ryan asks aloud. That's true commitment. I'll give you that. <laughs> I can hear you both, you know. <laughs> Atlas, I thought you were friends. <laughs> And then Ryan's approaching him with the uh, with the golf club. A man chooses. A slave obeys. Obey! <laughs> and Jack's like, okay, now he's screaming at me. Backing off. He's backing off. And he looks at the putter in his hands. And then he sort of wonders, oh, maybe he's, maybe he's suicidal. You know, why should I use this putter? I've got tons of weapons. <laughs> I mean, I could shoot you like... And he draws his gun and fucking shoots Ryan dead. <laughs> <laughs> Ruining the moment. Yeah, and then he freaks out. He he freaks the fuck out. He's like, oh my god. (laughs) And then he gets the genetic key, sticks it in the machine. Atlas, it's done. There ain't no Atlas kid. Never was. The name's Frank Fontaine. Oh no. Yeah, Jackson. What did you do to Atlas? What did you do to Atlas? I was Atlas, kid. I was pretending to be another person. Wake up. <laughs> no, I don't believe you. You killed him, didn't you? You killed my friend. Oh. oh. Yeah, Fontaine's like, you know what? Think whatever you want. You're going to be fucking dead soon. <laughs> oh, bloody Plays like one of Grace's D&D characters. <laughs> it is fantastic, this. Mm. Okay, so a few chapters before the end. Jack didn't die in the end. The little sisters came to save him, took him to Bridget Tenenbaums, and uh, they saved him. But as soon as he's back on his feet, and he says through the radio, your would you kindly won't work anymore, Fontaine. You can't control me, I'm cured. And of course, this is where Fontaine brings out code yellow. It was a trigger (laughs) phrase, which should have stopped Jack's heart beating forever. It would have taken a while, but it would have been so worth it. Except the order didn't work. Jack was still on his feet, looking as healthy as ever. Code yellow, Fontaine tried again. Are we shouting colours now? Is this some sort of sick game? It was true then. For Fontaine, Rapture was hell on earth. (laughs) I love that. Say all the colours you want. I'm going to avenge Atlas. You'll pay. (laughs) Oh, Oh, he's a dumbass, but he's our dumbass. He is, yeah. He's really endearing in this story, is Jack Mm -hmm. Ryan. Yeah, he really is. Um, Okay, so it's the boss battle. Fontaine's injected himself with a load of Adam. He's doing the whole, I made you, I'll destroy you, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And Jack's sort of wandering up. He's armed to fight. He's got weapons strapped to his arms and his legs and his chest. And he's got the electrify plasmid in one hand. And in the other hand is his wrench. And he's like, I'd like to see you try. And he looks fucking ridiculous. Absolutely <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Do you really think you're going to win? Fontaine mocked him. But again... He didn't notice that as Jack charged, he pulls out the big golden syringe poking out of one of Jack's pockets. And then he stabbed him with the hypodermic needle. And Fontaine drops dead right where he was. Easy peasy. Oh. Jack even quips, you know, sometimes size doesn't matter. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> as he delivers the killing blow. Mm-hmm. And now we arrive at the epilogue. And Jack is with Bridget Tenenbaum. And he's saying, so tell me once again the story about Atlas. And uh, Bridget had finished her cigarettes. (laughs) She regretted finishing her cigarettes. Sorry, I'm reading ahead. This is brilliant. And she takes a deep breath. And it's like, this kid's fucking stupid, but it's all my fault. And she very carefully explains, Fontaine had been pretending to be Atlas all along. He created this character so he he could control you. He pretended 
to be your friend. And Jack's like, mm, are you sure? Because he sounded very Irish to me. <sighs> he was a good actor, but again, he wasn't real. Uh, okay. You don't sound very convinced, Jack. And he wasn't. But at least they had all the time in the world to explain it to him. Beautiful. <laughs> And thus ends the story of Himbo Jack Ryan. (laughs) Thank you, that was excellent. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, those last few lines gave me a new headcanon for this. Okay. So Jack grew up in Ireland, right? Yes. He was probably returned to Ireland afterwards. Yeah. What if he was given to the church and grew up as Father Dougal? Oh my god, that's yeah. the crossover I didn't know I needed. Yeah. Just the way he's described, oh, are you sure he's not, that sounds, <laughs> it's very Ted and Dougal, like it, explaining the cows, and that's, yeah, that's what see, I'm imagining. <laughs> these are small, those are far away. <laughs> exactly. So I'm going to go back and reread that, imagining Father Dougal trapped in rapture. <laughs> Honestly, that's the crossover I didn't know I needed. Ted, we're underwater. <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> Dougal just fucking hits him with the golf club. <laughs> so that's when <laughs> I was walking and I saw I saw Big Daddy and he had like four portals and a big drill for the arm. And <laughs> now, now, Dougal, <laughs> what have I told you about making up stories? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's where my brain is now. Oh, that's probably where it's gonna stay. <laughs> yeah, I I really enjoyed this. I um mm-hmm. I kind of wish that there was a mod to make uh, Jack Ryan into this idiot. If we can get someone with a sketchy Brooklyn accent, we can probably record one. Yeah, I reckon so. Like replace the commentary that comes with the Bioshock game <laughs> with just him going, "Where am I?" <laughs> <laughs> Could be a hell of a mod. Yeah, I'd really enjoy that. Uh, in fact, in the new version, they did a director's commentary, so we could probably mm-hmm. just replace that. It's worth a look. If any programmers out there want to build this very ambitious mod, um, I reckon Danny DeViso is probably the best choice to voice Jack. <laughs> um, I'd have said Ardle or Hannon, but okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> he'd work as well. Yeah. Potentially Matt Berry. That would be quite funny, his sort of... Because, I mean, his dad's got the fantastic narration voice, so it's only natural that Jack Ryan would sound as hammy as Matt Berry himself. It would be like a, a Denim and Douglas Renham mm-hmm. situation. I'm underwater. Where? <laughs> <laughs> you could even repurpose lines from the IT cracks. He'd be like, Father! Yes! <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> okay. Right, let's get Matt Berry on the phone. Yeah, definitely. If he if he wants to do that. I, I know we've tried before, but I think we'll get him this time. <laughs> Fingers crossed. So, uh, um, yeah, that was uh, Biowater, Bioshock parody by uh, Amsaray. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation, so I do apologise. Names are hard. Yeah, names are hard, but the fic wasn't. The fic was fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. I okay. really enjoy uh, the Idiot Jack universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to treat this as headcanon when I eventually replay Bioshock. Yeah, I'm doing so at the minute, actually. Oh, yeah. yes. Uh, I've got too many games on my plate to drop them right now, because a lot of good things have just come out. Yeah. But soon. I've been playing Lost Judgment, the um, Yakuza detective spin-off. Yeah, I thought you in might a, be. You're in a school. We, we know you haven't stopped talking yeah. about it. Well, I've not, I've not told the listeners, but I'm having a blast with that. Um, they don't need to know. It's fine. <laughs> 
I've got my kids to regionals. Oh, shut up. I've beaten up so many no. school children. <laughs> oh, I've no. just been asked to join the, the local kids at the skate park <laughs> to infiltrate them. <laughs> Fuck's sake. For God's sake. And he even said the how do you do fellow kids line. I was, I was thrilled. <laughs> uh, but that's a story for another time. That's it. I, uh, I'm i enjoying sort of going through Rapture again. Mm-hmm. And just reminding us that we are all part of AO3. We move AO3 and AO3 moves us also. The great smut moves us all. The chain of spicy fix. I don't know. A I don't man, even I don't even believe in Ryan's philosophy. A man chooses a suave obeys a woo. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> an okay. alpha chooses an omega obeys. <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. You thought we'd get through this episode without an Andrew Ryan impression. You thought wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what have we learned today, everyone? That there's a time to live and a time to die. A time to create and a time to enjoy other people's creations. And that time mm-hmm. is now. And these were good creations indeed. Yes. And yeah, I don't know. I had fun with this. I learned everyone else ships Latessas too. And it's nice to have your uh, OTPs validated. Absolutely. Yeah. I like that. I think there is a consensus to how they work as a couple. Like, Rosalind is a bit of a science gremlin. Are they both Ro- science gremlins? They're the same person, for fuck's yeah. sake. There's differences to them. Like, Rosalind is very kind of cold and clinical in bed, and Robert's a bit of a dumbass. Who I thought think- you were talking canonically. Oh. <laughs> oh no, fuck. I'm talking about... What chapter is this? <laughs> I'm talking about how the fandom has sort of portrayed them. Oh, yeah, I see. They've made it... Robert a bit simpy. Robert is every bit as smart as Rosalind, but he thinks with his dick. Yeah. Like, the brain in his skull is as smart. However, that brain is not always in charge. Okay. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. And sometimes the second lower brain is making the decisions, and those decisions are not very good ones, usually. No. Absolutely. Engage primary brain before moving off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Which is uh, what you also need to remember before your driving test. Oh, thank you. Yes, I'm going to be having that uh, roughly two weeks from when we record. Yeah. So, if you're listening, wish me luck. Good luck. I reckon you'll Good need luck. it. Thank you. I probably will too, because I've got two weeks to learn everything. You haven't given yourself a big time frame, but I'm sure you'll be fine. That was the only option I had. Yeah. Because it's pretty much impossible to find a someone who can give me weekly lessons mm. out here. Because everyone's busy. But yeah, I think that's all we have time for. Is there anything else we want to add, Bioshock-wise? Yeah, can't really think of anything. Okay, me neither. Then, thank you for listening, everyone. You probably will know by now, we have a new show that goes up on Fridays. It is called Fanfics and Chill. Yep. Uh, separate channel. It's where we do dramatic readings. If you have anything you think we should dramatically read, let us know. Yep. Uh, we're probably going to do the classics as well at some point. Uh... We'll figure out when. We'll see. Yeah, we're having fun doing this, so mm-hmm. come and have fun with us. Exactly. Yeah. And join us next week when it's my turn to pick a fandom. So it's probably going to be some kind of anime bullshit. We've already covered Yakuza. I'd quite like to do it again now I'm playing Lost Judgment, but it's... <laughs> no, 
we can't do it again yet. No. Even though I'd like to, but still. Mm-hmm. That's the point. While it's on my mind. Spoilers for the future. I'm thinking we start next season with Doctor Who again. Okay. Because we normally start the year with something from Super Who Lock. And, I don't know, our Doctor Who episode, it, it was our first one. So it was, like, we hadn't quite figured our shit out at that point. Oh, it'd be like, um, it'd be like nostalgia. We can do, like, yeah. a, a four-year anniversary. Exactly. Or just, yeah. like, a redo based on... It's also Doctor Who's 60th anniversary, so there's... So there is that. Oh yeah, actually, yeah. So it's mm-hmm. the it's the Doctor Who's 60th anniversary. We're also less shit at podcasting. Exactly, because God, that episode hasn't aged well. No, absolutely not. Though we still read some good stuff. It hasn't aged well because we were bad, not because the fix were bad. Yeah, exactly. We are now better people. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, join us next time. It's probably going to be some anime bullshit, and you'll probably never see it coming. Oh ho ho ho! Good night. Foreshadowing. 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 Ah, shadowing. Ah. Foreshadowing. Ah. <laughs> We're doing Persona. Good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs>